It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Larry Kudlow. Great pleasure to be with you. You see, radio host of More Money that plays on many of these very same stations right after this show. Kids, welcome back. So, Liz Peak, you're going to have your wish. Now that we've declared Joe Biden to be not only illegal but incompetent, it's time for Michelle Obama <laughs> through the 25th Amendment. Yeah, it's going to happen I, in our lifetime. It, <laughs> you know, uh, I wrote about this a long time ago. Yes, you did. Ago, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Because it works, Larry. Uh, uh, it works for the Democrats in this way. If Joe Biden at the convention is forced to step aside, or if Democrats just decide they don't want to nominate him as their candidate, the only person who comes to this race fully loaded is Michelle Obama. And by fully loaded, I mean she's the world's most popular woman, most popular woman in America, and she can draw on the incredible fundraising uh, apparatus of the Democratic Party and the Obama machine to fund a very quick uh, campaign and the quick campaign is important because she won't be out there very long. People won't get a chance to really know her, to really understand that they might not like her politics, they might not like her you know, resentment about being allowed to go to Princeton University, etc. So <laughs> I think the whole thing kind of works. Uh, you know, we'll see. Who's by the way, by the way, can I say one other thing? Of the course. betting odds as of today uh-huh. have President Trump at around 52 percent. Uh-huh. Obama's way behind, 25 to 30. Michelle Obama's next at 15. <laughs> kind of interesting. But, uh, Steve Moore, let me guess. If Michelle Obama runs, who will t- who will her top policy advisor be? Let me just guess. <laughs> Oh, I'd say Kamala Harris. <laughs> no, what about? I mean, it, you, I'd say Barack Obama. Sure. <laughs> Think about that. There, here we go again. I thought we left this story a while back, but yeah, it's it coming back. Obama's fourth term, right? Because <laughs> Biden's third term was his third term. Um, I, look, I agree with a lot of what Liz was saying. I, I too, have been su- suggesting for the last eighteen months that I just didn't see how Biden could possibly run again, and. I right now I it just after what happened on Thursday, both in terms of the report that came out from the prosecutor and his press conference, mm. I, I I think it's elder abuse to to put yeah. him out there like that. I really do, and and I'm not saying that, trying to be snide. In fact, I as a as a Trump guy, I want to run against Joe yeah. Biden, but I don't. I just and and Liz is also right that you know before. This all happened uh, a week and a half ago. Biden was 80 percent probability to be the Democratic nominee on the betting lines. Mm. And now he's um, closing in on 50 50. Mm. And I bet that number continues to dwindle um, who they go with. I don't know. I mean, I have some Democrat sources who just say Michelle Obama doesn't want it. Uh, so that would it's hard to hard to persuade somebody to run for president if they want don't want to be president. But. I would say this, that the other question that we've talked about on this show, Larry, is how how do you get Kamala Harris out of the way? Because she's the only person who's probably less qualified to be President Joe Biden at this point. Well, I think that, you know, I I know the Michelle Obama thing is out there and kudos to Liz for writing about it a while back. But I think there's a fistfight if Joe Biden some way, shape or form is gone. 
Uh, Kamala's going to fight hard for it. Gretchen Whitmer's going to fight hard for it. Gavin yep. Newsom's going to fight yep. hard yep. for it and other people. I don't think it'll be so easy. In other words, I don't, I don't see Michelle Obama being crowned in some sense. I think it's going to be a real fistfight. So That's I'm going to just throw one other, one other name in the, in the, in the hunt just, just to be mischievous. Hillary. <laughs> Hillary. Oh, God. I couldn't. Back. Nah, nah, I, I not, couldn't. Cha- not a chance. I couldn't take that. Not a chance. And, She's so disliked. And her running mate, her running mate would be James Comey. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I you, don't see that happening. And I, Larry, no, to answer I your I'm question kidding. or to, to raise one more possibility, yeah. if Michelle Obama says, OK, I'll do it because it's an emergency for our party, but yeah. only four years. Then I think, you know, come the, the Gavin Newsom, uh, Gretchen Whitmer thing kind of gets resolved, right? Because they're, they're probably – they're better off four years from now than they are. This would be such a food fight. So many people would hate whoever takes this role. Mm. And, of course, we're, fans, you know, we're fantasizing here because right now Joe Biden is determined he's going to be the guy. Yeah. yeah fre- <laughs> Amazingly. Fresh off his temper tantrum Thursday night. That was the most catastrophic news conference I've ever seen. Honestly, I mean, I don't know about the 25th Amendment, who's who's going to start that. But um, I just watched him. I mean, I think they're stuck with him. I'm very skeptical that he's going to be replaced. I know it's fun to speculate, but I think they're just stuck with the guy. And I'm perfectly happy to be stuck with him. Yeah, me too. You know, just perfectly happy because you're going to get whooped. All these people we mentioned. Just one other quick thing. The amazing thing is that, you know, as Liz just mentioned, right now, the the most likely person to be the next president is Donald J. Trump. Yes. And that's, that's right. an amazing thing when you think about yes. it, we're, you know, two, over the last two years um, and three years, you know, and three and, years. And, yeah, really. It's been, it's just been a, you know, most people would not have thought Trump could make this. This is one comeback. of the greatest political comebacks ever. It is. I like it. You know, I mean, he's, just... he's got it. He's good. He's his, you know, the good Trump is with us and he's been good, good now for, you know, the last year. His speeches are fantastic. He's optimistic. I don't know if it's you, Larry, that's, you know, he's he's pro-America. He's not he's not There's a lot of us uh, helping. But the point, even if you don't like Trump, you look at it objectively from exactly. where he was in early 2021 mm-hmm. to now. It's yes. an amazing comeback. Now, the outcome remains to be seen. I understand that. I'm just looking at it empirically. But yes, it's just, it's a quite a remarkable uh, comeback. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be great fun. Give us all lots to gab about, which is actually what <laughs> we all do for a living. Is um, there any way? Is there any way? Uh, you guys are the lawyers on this team. I mean, I'm not the lawyer. Could... I've never even <laughs> looked at a law school. Are you kidding? The but lawyers. I, like, I, I have a serious question. I know this is your show, but how in the world could Trump possibly be found guilty? Right. On these yeah. files, yeah. after what's happened, where the basically yeah. the the prosecutor said he was guilty, but we just don't think a jury would find him guilty. It would be the greatest miscarriage of justice mm. if now they came after Trump and convicted him of that. Well, it's important to note here. This has come up a couple times in this show, yeah. yesterday's TV show. Biden broke the law, that, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, there's a Presidential Records yep. Act. Yep which yep. he's been breaking since he was a senator. And willfully, willfully. Willfully. And it was before he went, you know, loony or whatever he is. Yeah. And it, and in the, her report, by the way, in 2017, he knew he had classified documents hidden in his garage. So, see, Trump, under the Presidential Records Act, 
did not break the law. They're trying to pin an espionage uh, hit on Trump, mm-hmm. which they will never mm-hmm. prove, in my opinion. But whatever. That can be debated. But Biden broke the law. Look, I want to just uh, branch off just a little bit. Um, one thing, uh, we are money in politics. I had Senator Rand Paul on the TV show last night. Made a very strong case, Liz, uh, with respect to the Ukraine money. Now, we've given up on the border control money. Now, Joe Biden is a lame duck. You probably not get anything through. But, you know, they're going to give a $60 billion some odd to Ukraine. All right. Uh, no inspector general, no financial controls right. whatsoever. Yeah. And Rand Paul is now devoting him. I mean, he lashed out at Mitch McConnell and other Republicans. He was very blunt. Uh, I think quite a lot of Rand Paul. Um, the fact is, in why are we going to put this money up when we don't necessarily know where it's going? And why would we put it into an omnibus spending bill without any control? We won't have any controls on any of the money they want to spend. This is so typical of what Congress does wrong. Yeah, and and I think people really are going to be angry about this because there have been reports of of money gone astray. Uh, That goes back over a year now. Uh, And, you know, there have been delegations sent over to investigate and they don't really and and they find, yes, that there's corruption. Look, this is I forget what the ranking was. What is it Then the top 10 corrupt countries in the world Mm. before this war began? And so when you start throwing around tens of billions of dollars, I think our total now is over one hundred billion dollars we've sent to Ukraine. Is are they kidding? Do they not imagine that we need people on the ground investigating where this money's gone? Because Larry, we already know a lot of it's gone missing, mm-hmm. and so that's just fueling resistance to supporting Ukraine in any meaningful way. And I, I really think this is a tremendous mistake on the part of people pushing for this spending, not to encourage oversight, encourage really strict controls. Um, it's a little bit like sending billions into Gaza and pretending mm. it's not going to end up in the hands of Hamas. Mm-hmm. We know that's just not true. And Steve Moore, there's always there's, Rand Paul said this. And you're a pal of Rand Paul's too. Rand Paul said this last night. There's always a dozen or fifteen Republicans that go along with these bills for no good reason. They just go along with them, and it's part of the. Look, I'm not, I don't really feel like railing against Mitch McConnell. I, I think he's. You know, done some great work down through mm-hmm. the years, but not recently. I think we need a new leader, fresh blood. Mm-hmm. But whatever. The point is the GOP should stop this and institute controls. The other yep. point is the southern border. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call, quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done. It is more important to Americans right now than the Ukrainian border. I mean, that's just a fact of life. And Trump is running on that. And Biden is running against that. Well, there's a lot there. I would say a couple things. One is that um, in addition to what um, you and Liz were talking about in terms of the oversight, why can't we pay for these things? I mean, come on. We've got the most uh, obese budget right now. Biden's added $6 trillion, and they can't find 50 to $60 billion to cut? Come on. What is this? No pay for it. There's no never, pay for whatsoever. It's no. pathetic. That's an important I mean, point. Look, the, a Congressional Budget Office report came out. As you know, it comes out every January. Next segment. Sorry. Next segment. Don't do it. I got it for okay. the next segment. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Very important point. No, no, no. Yeah. Very important point. Didn't get the coverage because of the uh, her yeah. report, but it's very yep. important in what it says about the future. I like your point about the pay-fors, though. We've yep. lost the whole idea. Now, people in the House still have pay-fors. They talk about that. But the senators are just hopeless. What a gang. Anyway, quick break. Liz Peek, uh, Fox News contributor, and Steve Moore, Committee to Unleash Prosperity, Freedom Works. Coming up right after this show on most of these same stations. Didn't mean to cut you off, Steve Moore, buddy, but I wanted to get to this CBO report because it um, was overshadowed to some extent by the uh, Robert Hur report controversy. But these numbers are outrageous. This is Joe Biden's baseline here. And the CBO did us a favor with these 50-year averages, which, by the way, covers my whole career, 74 to 23. I love this. Um, I came to the New York Fed from Princeton in 1973, so I understand this 50-year average. But So as a share of GDP, which is a useful way of looking at it, spending runs from 21% to 24%. The budget deficit... 3.7 to 6.4% of GDP, okay? 3.7 is bad enough. 6.4 is an outrage. And debt held by the public, this is the killer, debt held by the public from 48% of GDP to 116% of GDP. And it is not a revenue problem because revenues, right. uh, yep. maybe they're not scored right because you don't know about the Trump tax cuts, but basically, revenues are holding steady at slightly higher than 17% GDP. Now, Steve Moore, the other thing I'll mention is the growth rate in here is just slightly less than 2% for the next 10 years. So we're still stagnant. And we're growing the budget. We're spending, borrowing like crazy. And that means regulating like crazy, too. I mean, this is going to, uh, this is going to stop the economy dead in its tracks. So we did a little item in our hotline this week where I looked at the average deficit under uh, Trump versus the average deficit under Biden. And I took out the two COVID years. I took out 2020 and 2021 because those were an extraordinary event. And so, look, Donald Trump, I love the guy, but he was not a big fiscal conservative. We ran deficits of about $750 billion a year Mm -hmm. under Trump. That's not a good that's not a good record. Mm -hmm. But. Do you know how how big the number is for the first three years of uh, Biden? One point five trillion dollars yeah. a year. Yeah. I mean, and for him to go around saying, oh, it's the Republican tax cuts. I did one other analysis. I looked at what was the CBO projecting, you know, for the debt and deficit uh, when Trump left office versus what it is today. Tr- Biden has added. Are you ready for this? Six trillion dollars above mm. 
the amount we were already borrowing. This is the most financially reckless president ever. Mm. Except for Michelle Obama. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the other part of this is the impact on economic growth. Yes. You, you cannot have a growing government like this, which absorbs money from the private right. sector. And as, as Laffer always says, when you see these big spending numbers, remember, these programs come with strings, regulatory strings yeah. attached. So this is a collectivist takeover of the private sector, and it's well, growing like topsy. And, and, Larry, nothing could back that up more than something else that Steve has written about recently, which is the green agenda and the fact that you're spending – you're blowing, if you'll excuse the expression, hundreds of billions of dollars mm. on stuff that is unproductive, mm. is making people buy cars they don't want. And so we have to keep paying more for them to buy those cars because they increasingly don't want them. So, you know, it's <laughs> it's not just a theoretical – uh, yeah, not productive spending. We can see it. We can see it in this green subsidies and all the money that they're spending on things that really aren't going to aren't going to pan out well. You know, Larry, did you did you see the uh, the thing about how you know how much Ford lost for every EV yeah. they sold? Yeah. <laughs> they lost sixty thousand dollars for every car that they. By the way, unbelievable. GM. They wanted to keep going. I GM, mean, that's yeah. an incredible thing. GM worse. GM worse. Just yeah. saying, GM worse. But it, um, at least the CBO reestimated the uh, misnamed Inflation Reduction yeah. Act. Because, yeah, right. you know, remember that Penn Wharton estimate of over a trillion is going to be a lot closer to the truth because there's no ceilings or lids on either the time or the volume of credit. Now, that has to be taken out. And, Steve, I was talking to Kevin Hassett uh, earlier in the show about this. Uh, something Trump's saying and Russ vote is on this and I'm for it. Trump's got push uh, for a return to budget impoundment authority. I love that. Yeah, yep. I love it. I think, you know, that's a kind of day one thing that needs to be done before you battle out all the appropriation stuff, which is going to be hard. Otherwise, uh, we're not going to have we're not going to be able to extend the tax cuts. With, you know, who with used, these numbers. Uh, you know who used impoundment power? Yes. Very regularly? Yes. Franklin Roosevelt, Abraham oh. Lincoln, uh, <laughs> Harry Truman. Oh. Uh, you know, oh, and they guys. used it to control spending. <laughs> that crowd. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it was Richard Nixon who tried, and then oh, Watergate, and too, yeah. Watergate yeah. knocked him out, and they passed the Budget Reform Act of 1974, which was a disaster. A disaster. Was yeah. a di- Reagan tried impoundment. We, yeah. we did rescissions. But it wasn't good enough because rescissions require congressional That's right. votes. Okay, huh. I want to just ex- take stuff out. That's all. Just and say. I think I think Trump has legitimacy on this or credibility. I should say. I think that's a very good thing for him to run on. Yeah. Americans who work in private enterprise routinely have their bosses coming along saying, "Okay, we're going to cut costs. Mm-hmm. We're going to cut right. costs by five percent." That idea never seems to occur to the <laughs> government, and yet it should. And so, you know, I, I mean, I actually think this is true. I think right now we're at a point where people would welcome that assertion of power and that kind yeah. of claim. Because to, going back to your point, when you are spending $4 trillion, five, are you serious we can't find $60 billion? <laughs> I totally agree with you, Steve. It's ludicrous to think that that budget is super tight, that airtight, you know, and there's no holes in it. It's not true. Just start impounding from day one and let let Congress yell. 
Yeah. Let everybody yell. Yeah, Let the right. whole town yell. Go ahead. It'll be fine. Because he wants to drain the swamp anyway. Let him yell. And meanwhile, while they're yelling, the budget authorities inside the administration <laughs> can start cutting. You know what I mean? And if yeah. they want to give it back later, let's talk. I mean, I really love this. Uh, it sets up so beautifully for Trump, uh, who, you know, who will just drive people crazy, which is why we love him. Okay. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Liz Peake, thank you very much. Uh, we'll Thank you. Plug you into the Michelle Obama campaign and Steve Morris. More money coming up after this show. Most of these same stations. I'm Cudlow. We'll be here next weekend. Thanks, everybody.